might be on thin ice after that. I don't really know what to say. Would you like to preach after that? Oh, my goodness. If you have your Bible, if you would turn with me tonight to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to get there in just a minute. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen for you. But we're in the uh, second part of this two-week series called Thin Ice. And last week, we began this series. And in doing so, we, we talked about how many people wait, and almost until it's too late, and the ice is breaking, and there's problems, and there's issues, and all of a sudden, they find themselves in a sinking situation in their marriage. And uh, what we wanted to do was kind of preemptively, last week and this week, talk about things or issues that we all deal with, and, uh, and, and how do we identify those? How do we prevent ourselves from being on thin ice in the first place? And if we are, what do we do to strengthen the situation? And, um, and so last week I talked about that so many people are looking for the one, and they're looking for the one in somebody else. And the one is really God. Jesus said it this way, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Then all these things shall be added unto you. And we know all these things, your work, your marriage, your home, your kids, everything else in your life will be added unto you if you'll but seek first the kingdom of God. And we know God cares more about the family than he even does about the church because he, he started the church, I mean, excuse me, the family before the church ever existed. So that, that's, that's part of God's heart. Um, we, we know he cares about work because work predates the fall of man. And so the Bible says that if, if a man doesn't work, he's worse than an unbeliever. Uh, that, that, that we, whatever our hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord. So we know God cares about our vocation. He cares more about our vocation than we do. And, uh, and so all of these things that we deal with in life, those things will come if we will but put God first. And if we'll put Jesus first in our life, all these things show, will come into our life. And the world in which we live in says, no, 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 no. You deal with all of the things, and then God just becomes one of the things that you try to do. And God says, no, 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 no. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you'll just cast your cares upon me because I care about you, if you'll just put me first, you'll take care of the vertical relationship with God first, then all these things will be added unto you. And so the one is not your spouse. The number one priority of life is Jesus Christ. And, and you know, you may think, well, that's just, again, a Sunday school Christian weekend answer. It's the Bible. I didn't write it. I'm just telling you the way God said it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto us. This weekend, I want to talk about these things. I want to talk about what's the number two. The number two, then, is your spouse. You are and I are called, after we take care of that first priority, if we're married, to, to, to put our attention on our spouse. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul says, hey, if you're single, that's a gift. may not feel like a gift to some single people, but it's a gift. And, and, and the reality is, is whether that's, uh, you're single because that's what, what your life is going to be, or you're single for a season, you've been given this because once you become married, the number two thing in your life can't be pursuing the will of God. It has to be your spouse. And so God says he needs to be the one, the spouse is a two. And so we talked a little bit last weekend about how do you deal with the two. And so I spoke to the men, and I had Tammy, my wife, come and speak to the ladies. And again, I don't want to recap everything. Uh, I would encourage you to go online. The, the message is online at lifechurchwi.com. Uh, and you can watch that message, or you can download it, you can get it on iTunes. But, but we talked, we began that process. This weekend, I really want to focus in on how do you deal with the priority of your spouse? Now, let me say this. If you're single, this is going to preemptively help you be able to look and discern before you say, I do. Who are you looking for? What are you looking for? 
what does that person look like? And some things for you to be able to help you. For those of us in this room that are married and you're in a marital relationship, it helps you to be able to evaluate. If you're on thin ice, it helps you to be able to get to safety. And it also, if you're not, if you're, if you're in a very stable place, it always helps you to, 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 to evaluate. Because again, uh, life isn't, isn't, isn't static. It's not constant. It, 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 it moves. It, it, it breathes. It, it's, it's organic. It, it's living. And so just because your marriage is great the first five years doesn't mean that it has to be bad the next five years, but doesn't mean it's just automatically going to be great. It, marriage isn't on autopilot. It's about decisions and choices day in and day out. And so I want to look at that this weekend, about loving your spouse, taking care of the number two. Now, falling in love is easy, if you want to use that phrase. I mean, there's over 1,500 websites that can help you connect with someone special. Um, but staying in love is a problem. We don't have a problem connecting. We have a problem with commitment. And I'm not here to, 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 to beat the pulpit on that, but I started last week and, and I said this, and I'm going to pick up this weekend with saying this. It's the commitment that makes the love last, not the love that makes the commitment last. It's the commitment to your marriage that's going to make the emotional, the, the romance, the love of your marriage last, not the love, the romance, the emotion of your marriage. That's not going to make the commitment last. There will be days, there will be times, there will be seasons where you've lost that love and feeling. It's gone, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. And that's just part of life. And anybody that tells you different than that, they are lying to you. Oh, yes. Even in church, people lie. And they go, oh, no. And you look across the aisle and you go, man, I wish I had a marriage like that. I wish I had a relationship like that. I wish I had this. I'm telling you. People have said sometimes because I'm pastoring and I preach and, and I'm preaching this, man, Aaron and Tammy, you guys just must have it all together and you got it all figured out and whatever. And we laugh because it's like, look, if, if I only preach the things in the Bible that I was really good at, I'd preach for about five minutes and I'd preach about one time a year. You'd probably all really enjoy that. And because the reality is, is I'm just like you. I'm trying to walk this stuff out. I'm trying to live this stuff out. I'm, I'm trying to put one foot in front of the other. I'm one beggar to another beggar where to find food. And so my job as the, as the, the pastor, as the food, food dude, serving at the bread of life hot and fresh every week, serving the seeker and building the believer, is simply about, not about talking about what I'm good at from the Bible, but what does the Bible say, giving you the full counsel of God's word. And so the reality, the reason why people don't stay committed to relationships, I think one is there's very few healthy models of marriage that a lot of people see. If the statistics are true, and they've been this way for many, many years, that 50% of marriages end in divorce, then, then statistically speaking, 50% of the people in this room haven't seen what it takes to have a lifelong marriage and a commitment. Well, if that's the case, then it's hard to, it's hard to go on a journey where you've never seen anybody else. It's hard to, to do what you've never seen modeled. And, uh, you know, I had somebody email me last week that had been married for over 40 years and just was commenting on the message and just said, I wish either that I was in my 20s today hearing a message like that or that that kind of teaching was taught in church 40 years ago. Because in 40 years ago, this person told me, we were just told, you just need to do it. Not how, just do it, <laughs> right? And that, that's what the preacher would say. Yeah, win the world. We're not going to tell you how, right? Uh, love your neighbor. We're not going to tell you how. Stay married. We're not going to tell you how. You may hate each other. Just stay together and act like you like it, right? And just smile. And, and, and the reality is, is that 
it's, it's just not being talked about. The, the second thing is, is I think the reason why that, that, that marital commitment is, is so um, rare is that people aren't properly equipped, meaning they've not been taught or, or they've not been mentored in this. And that's part of my pa- passion as, as a local church pastor is to open up God's word cause, cause, because you're married or you're going to get married. Statistically speaking, most of the people in this room will or are or have been. And how do you deal with this in this relationship? Outside of your relationship with Jesus Christ, it's the most important decision that you're going to make. And here's the thing that makes it so spiritual. Marriage is a, is a biblical God-centered covenant. God says in Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our image. That's a triune Godhead, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When God makes Adam and Eve and he said the two shall become one, that's community. That's the two becoming, that's the two becoming one. And it's a reflection of the Trinity, of the triune Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is deity. He is infinite. We are man. We are limited. We have the ability to take two to one. God has the ability to have three to one. But we, as a local, as a marriage, are an example to a world of, of what God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is. That's the reason why God hates divorce. It's not that he hates people that are getting divorced. He hates that separation and that grief that goes as much as it would be inconceivable that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit could divorce one another and the three that are one be, become separate is the same grievancy that God has when he looks at a marriage and those two become divided. That's the reason why the, a minister will say, what God has put, put together, let no man put asunder. You may now kiss your bride. The reality is, is that it's a spiritual, biblical commitment that you're making. It's a spiritual and biblical ceremony. It's a spiritual and biblical activity. And so as a pastor, I have a biblical and spiritual responsibility to equip you, to help you, to be one beggar to another beggar. What does the word say? How do we live this out and how do we do that? And so I don't think that, I think and sometimes there's just a lack of knowledge and a lack of wisdom. And, and so I want to bring some understanding to that. And I think the other reason why you have so many marriages that just get on thin ice and just fall through the surface is a very low pain tolerance. You know what? If it doesn't work, no big deal. I'll just go on. Right? My parents had divorce. They didn't die. Don't really want to do this, but it just is what it is. Life just happens. This happens. Whatever the reason or the rationale is. And again, if you've gone through a divorce, I'm not beating up on you. Please don't misunderstand me. I, I, I have great grace and compassion. I, I'm not. And if you've gone through a divorce and you're remarried, I'm not trying to drudge up things from your past. I'm just trying to help you stay connected today. Does that make sense? But for the sake of those... 37% of the people at Life Church are single. I'm speaking this message. An overwhelming majority of that 63% are young married families that have been married less than 12 years. I'm speaking this message. To encourage you, to help you, to give you some tools so that when the enemy of your soul and my soul tries to steal in and destroy that thing that God's given you, that blessing, that helpmate, that this is how God raises up a standard against him. And so it's through his word. And so the other thing is, I think that we forget a natural progress of, of, of marriage. I mean, the, the first part is understanding differences. You're getting to know each other, right? That's that honeymoon stage, right? Where you're just, no, they're perfect, Pastor. They're just perfect. Yeah, yeah, right. That'll pass, uh, right? <laughs> then the second stage is you're working out communication, resolving conflict, a.k.a. you're yelling at each other. Now, some people, listen, this is all based on personality. Some of you are just loud. It's your personality. That's it. 
And for you to be quiet, some of you are quiet. Some of you, you yell in your silence, right? Here's what I'm trying to say to you. You are going to fight. You are going to get mad. You may raise your voice. There may be words that come, there will be words that will come out of your mouth that you wish you could retract. Welcome to the club. And so the reality is, is, but how do you do that in a beneficial way? How do you have conflict that's helpful, not destructive? Um, you know, and so the, the, the next stage of marriage is, 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 is basically balancing schedule. I mean, you, you're, you're dealing with, with each other, then you're dealing with kids, and you're dealing with work and church and date nights and trying to do everything. How do you balance everything? And those are seasonal, aren't they? I was talking to somebody the other day that uh, a couple that Tammy and I used to just do a ton of stuff with. And I just, I, I was out having coffee with him. And I just said, you know, the reality is, I don't know if it's been like this for you, but it's like, where does the time go? We used to hang out and sit and, and just for hours. And it's like, I haven't had the ability to do that with anybody in a long time. He said, bro, I know the exact same thing that you're talking about. I felt bad we haven't gotten together. I said, well, I felt horrible. But it's just been life. They're just seasons that you go through. There are seasons that you're in with your family, with your business, with your job, with, with whatever. And so how do you deal with that? And then the last part of, of, of a natural progression of marriage is, is, is a nurturing romance where things don't come as natural as they did when you were first married. And so you've got to keep those fires stoked and, and keep, that, keep that together. And I think sometimes people forget that it's, they just, this is all part of it. I mean, you go through more to get a driver's license than you do to get married. Have you ever thought about that? It's scary. But the reality is, is marriage isn't automatic. Marriage isn't a self-sustaining work. It's not a, I do, and that's it. And if we spend as much time on the marriage as we did on the marriage ceremony, and guys, if we spend as much time preparing for marriage as we did the honeymoon, things would be different. But our society says, this is important. Why? Because this is what everybody sees. And everything else, it'll just happen, and, and, and it'll just take care of itself. So I want to open some of that up and talk about how do you... How, how do you love the, the number two? How do you love your spouse? God's number one, your spouse is number two. How do you do that? And the best way for me to do that is I'm not trying to be negative, but to give you three warning signs. Three warning signs that would come up on the dashboard of your marriage real quick. Three warning signs. These are things for you to evaluate. These are things for you to think about. These are things for you to discuss with your spouse. The first is when you have no mutual submission. You have no mutual submission. We talked about this a little bit last week. That, uh, that, you know, the Bible says that the wives are supposed to submit to the husbands. But really, the idea is here is that there's more than just that. And Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, where he said, Submit one to another out of reverence of Christ. Submit to one another out of the reverence for Christ. What does that mean? That means that you put your spouse above yourself. Well, that's not what it says, Pastor. No, what it says is that in every area of your life, you should submit. You should Defer to your fellow man. So if you're at work, it talks about how you defer to your coworker. If you're at school, you, how do you defer to your classmate? If, if, you're, if you're doing life with your, in your neighbors and your neighborhood, how do you defer to them? How do you defer and honor your parents? How do you defer to, to your siblings? How, how do you defer to your spouse? By submitting. See, authority is something that we get mixed up on. We think that authority is all about a power trip. It's all about owning the world. Jesus said that when he encountered the centurion uh, in, in the Gospels, he said, no greater faith and, and greater example of leadership have I ever seen. Because this is a person of authority. He's got power. 
But he's also a person under authority. True great leaders know how not to only lead, but they know how to follow. Not only to have authority, but how to submit. You have someone who doesn't know how to submit, you have a dictator. You don't have a leader, you have a dictator. I don't care if they're nice, you call them a benevolent dictator. They're dictatorial. They're going to just bark their orders and their commands, and if you don't do what they want you to do, then they're going to annihilate you. There are some people, guys, that lead marriages that just want to bark the orders, and if the family doesn't fall into line, then they're just going to annihilate them. There are some women who, because they don't feel like their husbands are leading in the way that they should, that they want to step into that role and fly in on their broom and bark their orders. Right? And either one is wrong. The Bible says that we should be mutually submitted one to another. What does that mean? That means I'm a whole person. And I count before God. And, and I believe it's in, the, it's, in the, it's in Ephesians or it's in Philippians where Paul says that there's no longer uh, bond or free, slave or free. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, male nor female, that we're all created image in the, in the sight of God. So that means that women are just as valuable and just as equal as men. But in a marital relationship, the way God has designed it is that they're of equal value but different function. Which means there has to be a head. There has to be a leader. Anything that's got more than one head is a freak. If somebody walked into this room with two heads, you would go, something's not right. Right? That's not normal. The same way in a marriage, it's not normal to have two people with two dissenting opinions. You have to have someone that's going to lead. Not dictate. Not be a dictator. Not throw their weight around. But lead. How do you do that? You have to be willing to Submit. And so Paul goes on and he talks about what Christ did as our example with this. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 8, it says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I mean, pride about yourself. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Others, co-workers, family, spouse. Not looking at your own interests... But look to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the mindset of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God to be used of his own advantage. But rather, he made of himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant by being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus, ultimate authority. Jesus, ultimate submission. Why? Because that's what God asked. When you have a husband and a wife, and they're not mutually submitted to one another, you've got problems. What does that mean? What does that look like, Aaron? Well, just let me say it like this. I'm going to pick on me, and I just don't read anything into this, but this is just because if I talk about you, you get mad. If I talk about me, nobody really gets mad, okay? So I'm just going to talk about me. It's the safest thing to do. Uh, I get a phone call from a church in Seattle, and they're saying, hey, this is all fictitious. Hey, uh, we've, re- we like, we've seen your preaching. We've heard about you. Da, 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 da. It's a great situation. We'd love for you and for your family to come out and be our senior pastor. Would you, would you talk to us? Would you do with this? Da, 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 da. And, um, and I go home. I don't go to Tammy and say, Tammy, woman. Right? She has a name. It's not woman. That's the only person that ever. Uh, there's a whole, okay, I'm filtering. Okay. <laughs> Tammy, here's the deal. We're moving to Seattle. Pack everything up. This is what we're doing. No. Because at the same time, this is her life as well. So for me to say, hey, you know what? I got a phone call. 
And I have been feeling the Lord leading us in this direction. And we've been talking a little bit about this. And I really feel like this is what the Lord wants us to do. Let's discuss this. What am I doing? I'm submitting. I'm saying this is not just my life. It's our life. This isn't just my decision. This is our decision. This isn't just my family. This is our family. We are a team. Now, I'm, I'm the leader, the captain, and I'll be willing to take the decision. But what it means to be a leader and a captain really is not about more privilege or more right. It's really about if anybody's going to be inconvenienced, it's going to be the leader or the captain. If anybody's going to be having to put the extra work in, anybody's going to lose sleep, anybody's going to lose energy, anybody's going to have to go the extra mile, it's me. They're not, my family's not there to serve me. I'm there to serve them. And then from that conversation, then she says, look, if you feel like the Lord's really, really doing this, then let's make this a matter of prayer. And God will speak to both of our hearts. He's going to speak to you as the head of the house, but he's going to speak to me because this is, this is all part of it and confirm it. And, and seven days later, we feel like this is what the Lord wants us to do. Then we return the phone call and say, hey, we feel like God may be in this. Let's move this direction. Our family then is moving together. We're working together. Why? I didn't go home and lord over her. I didn't go home and threaten her. I didn't go home and dictate to her. I went home and said, hey, I know you're a woman of God and you hear from the Lord as well. And I want us to make this a matter of discussion. I want us to make this a matter of prayer. I want us to make this a matter of process. Because this doesn't just affect me. But here is what I am hearing the Lord say and what I feel like God's wanting us to do. Again, I'm not going to Seattle. I'm just making that as an example. But that happens all the time. And if you don't have that submission, either by the wife going, I don't care what you say. I don't care. You're not going to leave me halfway across the screen. Three circles and a snap. I mean, so much snapping and crack, cracking and popping that you need a chiropractor when you're done. You need to slow your roll. Amen. Because why are you so geeked out about staying here? Because it's where you're born? That's so why the Bible says that the child will grow up and will leave mother and father. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. If you're able to live within a very close proximity to your family, be blessed. Some of you are going, no, it's not a blessing. But I'm just saying, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But there may be a time where God moves you. And your responsibility is not to your parents, but it's to your, to, to your spouse. Mutual submission. Where there's no mutual submission, there's no intimacy. And if your marriage lacks intimacy, it might be because there's a lack of mutual submission. Second, second warning sign is that no heart monitor. No heart monitor. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life, or from everything you do flows from it. See, what's on the inside is going to come on the outside. And the question is, is do you have a strategy to monitor your heart? Do you talk about what comes out of your heart with your spouse? Because here's how it works. The Bible says it goes in through the eye gate. It registers itself in the brain. That's the reason why Romans chapter 12 talks about the renewing of our mind, according to God's word. And it takes up residency in our heart. And what's ever in our heart comes out our mouth, comes out in our life. Those of you that are single, listen to me. This, is, this point probably is going to be the most pertinent to you of anybody in the room. Because you want to know where he's going? You want to know the reason why he's had six jobs in two years? Don't give him the benefit of the doubt. Watch it. Look at it. You want to know the reason why he blew up the other day? You want to know the reason why he treats his mom the way? Do you want to know the reason why? I mean, it, it comes from here. People go, well, I just don't know where that came from. I know where it came from. 
Well, my family, we're just all like that. No, it's not that. That's a, that's a lame excuse. The reality is, is it came in through the eyes, it registered itself in the brain, and it took up residency in your heart, and now the explosion happens out of here. That's not me. Yes, it is you. It's the real you. It's the you that you don't want anybody else to know. And we all deal with this. It's this monster, if we're not careful, that comes from within. And that's the reason why the Bible says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because from your heart will come the issues of life. From your heart will come everything that you do. So you want to know how to know someone's heart? A couple things to look at. One, look at the words of their mouth. What are the words of the mouth? Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says, From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What do they talk about? They talk about Jesus? Listen, if somebody has a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, they're going to talk about Jesus. If they don't, they're a Sunday morning Christian. Pay attention. Oh, he just won't come to church with me anymore. He just won't. He just won't do that. I just thought, what you thought was, he went to church with you when you, you didn't fall out of the stupid tree. Come on. He went to church with you when you were single because he wanted to be with you. But now when he got you, he doesn't show up anymore. Why? Did he ever talk about Jesus? No. Did he ever talk about his prayer life? No. When you sat and you asked questions about spiritual issues, did he? No. What comes out of the mouth? Watch. How does he treat other people? Well, he's just stressful. He's just going to... No. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What does he talk about all the time? If it's sports, you better hope he works for ESPN because if not, he's going to be laying on some couch being an armchair quarterback and that didn't make you any money. Hallelujah, praise his name. (laughs) Well, he talked about the new Madden game. You better hope he works for Xbox or he designs because, right? Because he's going to be 4 o'clock in the morning talking to somebody on the internet on some headset going, hey, hey, get the guy in the corner, get the guy in the corner. Oh, man, I'm dead. Hmm. Oh, don't shout me down. Woo, that was some church up in here. All right. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The expression of the face. Well, he's just kind of down. Now, we all go through down times. But seriously, there's some people, man, he's just like, are you really happy? I, mean, I watch some of you in worship. And afterwards, you go, man, I love the worship. I, I couldn't tell it. I'm sorry, I had to go there. You know? Seriously. And don't say, well, we're just kind of quiet, stoic people. That, oh, go tell that to somebody who believes it. I mean, seriously. The work of your hands. What do you do? I mean, that comes out of your heart. It's an expression. Do your hands hurt or do they heal? Do they, do, 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 do they bless or do they bruise? What, what do you do? How do you do? Well, you know, he just had a rough way to go. No, you better know why he quit college. You better know the reason why she won't work. You better know the reason why. I, I talk to this all the time. I talk to young couples. go, well, what do you want out of life? Because if, if he wants 80 acres and an F-150 with a, with, a, with, a, with a travel trailer in Washington County, and she wants to be on the east side in a private school with a picket fence and a Volvo, you're going to have problems. I don't care how spiritual, I don't care how hot to trot you are for each other, I don't care how much there is of chemistry going on, you're going to have serious, serious problems. Why? Because what he wants to do, 
He wants to go over here and, and, and chase bucks, and, and, and you want to go over here and live, live, live the city life. It, it, it only works on green acres. You know what I'm talking about? It doesn't work in real life. And, and the last thing is the direction of their feet. Because direction, not intention, it determines destination. Where are they heading with their life? What are they doing with their life? If they're up to their yin-yang in debt, they're going to continue to do that. I talk to young couples all the time. You better know what their credit score is. You better know where they're headed financially. Because in the state of Wisconsin, it's going to be your rear end too on the line. And your 800 is going to go down to about a 460 in about six months because you never had these conversations. What I'm trying to say is if you want to know what's in someone's heart, you look at what's, what's coming out of their mouth. You listen to that. You see the countenance of their face. You see the work of their hands. You look at the direction of their feet because direction, not intention, determines destination. I'm not talking about spirituality. I'm talking about marriage. I'm not talking about pastor and saint and sinner. I'm talking about husband and wife. These are questions. These are things. And don't give somebody a get out of jail free or a free pass on this. You better, because what happens is, is that you, you tend to underplay the, the negative and, and, and you overplay the positive. And some of you are shaking your heads with me because you're living it. And then all of a sudden reality hits. And when you had these conversations ahead of time, all of a sudden you go, but, but, but I just don't want to lose them. If they're not the right one, do you really want to keep them? Only thing worse than, 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 than being single is wishing that you were. I don't mean to be mean. If you're single, I'm not beating up on you. But many single people, oh, I just want to be married, Pastor. I just really want to be married. I want to serve God. I'm telling you, the only thing worse than what you're feeling right now is being married and wishing you were single. And if you knew how many people felt that way, it would scare you. That's why I'm talking so bluntly about it. Monitor your heart. Monitor your heart. And even as you go through married life, it's not automatic. Monitor your heart. Monitor your heart. You go through seasons. You go through things. You go through rough patches, maritally, with your work, with kids, with things. Just monitor your heart. And the third thing is, the third warning sign is that there's no benefit of the doubt. No benefit of the doubt. First Corinthians Chapter 13, verse 7 says, Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. What Paul is saying is that love always gives the benefit of the doubt. Because when you're married, here's what happens. You have expectations and you have the behaviors. This is your expectation. Here's reality. Right? Your expectation is he will take his own cereal bowl and his coffee cup and it will make its way to the dishwasher. Reality is, it's on the sink. <laughs> Guys, your expectation is, is that dinner will be on the table at 6 o'clock. I'm being a little stereotypic with this. And the expectation is, is that she grew up in a family where daddy took everybody out to eat seven days a week. This difference is called frustration. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Expectation, reality. And what Paul says is, you, as a married individual, have a choice of what you're going to do with this space. And what you have to do with that space is you're either going to assume the worst or believe the best. But you get to choose. Maybe he was in a hurry. You know what? Maybe she's had a long day.
or he's just a slob. You know what? His mother took care of him. His mother treated him like this. I should have known it. She did everything for him. I'm good. Or you know what? She, you know, her dad, did, she did everything and da-da-da-da-da. And they took care of everything. And she expects, and I'm, gonna, I'm telling you what, in my house, we're going to have dinner at 5 o'clock. Come hell or high water. Well, it's going to be hell or high water because it ain't going to happen, right? <laughs> so you have to do something with that. And what I would encourage you to do is what Paul says is believe the best. You know, that sounds a little Pollyanna. No, let me explain this to you. If you assume the worst, what happens is that attitude begins to color everything that you do because we all see everything through filters. None of us see things completely objective. And so if you think that he's really just trying to, doesn't care about you, doesn't care about the house, trying to be a slob, if you really think that she doesn't care about the bottom line and she just is wanting you to take her out to eat all the time and she's high maintenance because that's the way she was raised and whatever it may be, I'm just using those two illustrations, the dishes and the dinner. What happens is, is it colors everything. And it starts filling up on the inside of you. And one day it's going to hit you and boom, you are going to explode. And the other person goes, I don't know where that came from. I'll tell you where it came from. It entered into the eye. It, took, it registered in the mind. And it took up residency in the heart. Instead of, if you assume the best, talk about it. You know, Johnny, I realized this week... We've been just been married for a few months, but this is happening, and you must really be busy. Not, don't patronize them, but just, you know, what's going on? Well, why do you think that, Sally? Well, because you just, there's a trail of everything of where you are, and I just assume that, that when that happens in my life, I'm just incredibly busy, and I just don't have time, and I'm not thinking. Oh, no, honey, that's just, my mother's always picked up after me. Oh, I'm sorry. This is, yeah, that would help me do that. Or, you know what, honey, I noticed that things must really be, this, we're newly married and there's a lot going on and maybe with your job and, and I have an expectation. I grew up in a home where mom had dinner on the table at 6 o'clock and da 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 And I guess in your family, you guys went out to eat a lot and we need to talk about how that's going to, because I know that you're, we just need to work that out. See how you talk? The key is conversation. The key is, is having conversation. But giving that other person the benefit of the doubt. Because when you lose that, it goes. It's wheels off. And that's when you find yourself in some marriage counselor's office screaming at the top of your lungs and talking about how that person has taken the last 10 years of your life, and they've abused you, and they haven't taken care of you, and that's why you had the affair, or that's why you did this or that, or whatever you did to push the eject button. Because that's what people do. They push the eject button. Because let me tell you something. The first time something happens to somebody, it's not the first time that it's happened. It's just finally it's become public. It's like I, I, I read a couple weeks ago, uh, a high-profile Christian leader was pulled over in, in a city, uh, and if I said his name, 90% of you in this room would know him, and uh, for DUI, twice the legal limit. He didn't just go out and get drunk one time. He's been drinking, and God's grace finally just said, okay, I'm going to expose him. 
Do you understand? And the same thing that happens in a marriage. When it explodes, it's not that it happened once. It's not about one set of dirty dishes or one set of a dinner that didn't happen. It's all these missed expectations all along the way. And finally, the grace runs out, and then it explodes. And then there's all this ill feeling and all this junk. When the bottom line is, is if you monitor these things, all of a sudden you're able to flag them early and deal with them and discuss it. And that leads me to what I want to ask you to do this weekend. If you grab your communication card. On the back side of your communication card, everybody, if you grab this communication card, on the back side of the communication card, it says this, I commit to go on a date. I'm not asking you to do six, 12, just one date in the year of 2012. <laughs> Three hours alone with your spouse. If you can do this, hang on. Jesus will show up. All right, I commit to go on a date with my spouse. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do is to make that commitment. And what I want you to do is this. I mean, we're, we're going to email you and send you some information, some things you can talk about or whatever. But if you want to throw me under the bus, totally fine. There's Pastor. Okay, we just ran over him. I know Pastor's a little goofy. and If you need to use me as the excuse of why you're having this conversation, that's okay. I'm fine. I'm not there. That's, it's great. But how are we doing in these areas? And don't go... If you need my notes, I'll send them to you. But don't show up and have everybody sit down on the couch in the family living room and go, hey, there's some things that are going to change. There's a new sheriff in town. And let me tell you what's going to happen and start writing things out. Because you'll be living on my couch and it's not available. But you need to say, how am I doing? How am I treating you? I can't, listen, I can't control Tammy. I can't control my kids. I have a hard time controlling me. But this is who I stand account for. You can't control your spouse. You can't control your kids. The only person you can control is you. And instead of trying to fix them, just ask the question, am I powering up on you? Am I leading the home? Am I loving you? Am I submitting to you as Christ talks about us doing? That opens up a whole, it's very disarming because there's no rocks to throw. How are we dealing with, how are we dealing with, with, with the heart? Are the things that are coming out of my mouth? Is there expression on my face? Is there direction in our life? Are we row in the same direction? Because you always start the same direction. It's the question is, is are you going the same direction? And, and, and what about the benefit of the doubt? And maybe tonight, maybe today, maybe this weekend, maybe next week, maybe a month from now, as you pray and you process this. The Holy Spirit speaks to your heart about an area that you're not doing very well in. You know the best thing you can do? These simple words. I am sorry. Will you... Please forgive me. Because we all blow it. That's why I'm asking you to go on a date with your spouse. It's not about a fa fancy dinner. It's not about a movie. It's not about the perfect romantic spot in town. It's about having the conversation. Because here's one thing that I know. In 17 years of marriage, I know this. 
when the conversation stops, the marriage is over. You can still have sex and the marriage still... You could still be living in the same roof. You can be sleeping in the same bed. You can be sharing a double sink in the master bedroom. But when the conversation stops, the marriage is over. But as long as you keep talking... You give God the ability to work. You give God the ability to, because communication is going on, you give God the ability to make those things happen. And as long as you keep talking, there's hope. So if you're on thin ice today, just keep talking. If you need counseling, uh, seriously, and I don't mean this in a bad way, you need a mediator, you know, we'll help you find somebody. But, but get that help. If it just means it's just this deal, it's, just, it's about a conversation. Tammy and I are religious about our date, date day. I take Fridays off, and that's our day. Because kids are at school, a.k.a. free child care. And so we just spend the day together. And we talk. What do you think? What are you feeling? What's going on? Da, 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 da. And I'm not perfect, neither is she. But I think we have a great marriage. And the reason why I have a great marriage is not because of me and not because of her. It's because we keep talking. We just talk. What about this? And what about that? And how about this? And I do my best not to power up. And I'm a type A personality. I said to her this past week, you know, I have a tendency to kind of uh, um, just kind of uh, be pushy, she said. I said, yeah, that's it. I have a tendency to kind of push. Because I think I've got a way to get there. And I need you to help me. And check, especially in this area we were talking about. Talk. Have those conversations. Father, I just thank you today for every marriage that's here. And I just simply pray that you, oh Lord, would minister. God, that you would put a hedge of protection around. Lord, and if the warning lights are going off on the dashboard of our marriage in one of these areas, I pray, Lord, help us not to quit talking. And if we find ourselves at an impasse or that we need help, I pray let us make it a matter of prayer. And if we need to get some professional help to come in and get involved, let us put our pride down and do that to help us navigate through those difficult waters. And Lord, if everything is good in our marriage, I pray let us continue forward. Let us, let us talk about it. Let, let's do this. I just pray, oh God, for vibrant marital relationships in our church. That men and women, as they come together and the two become one, it becomes a reflection of you. Oh God, that you would just show up. That you would be blessed in that union. That you would be glorified. And that, Lord, that the fulfillment that you intended for that to come from that, God would be there. I pray for every single person, Lord, that may be looking to get married. God, that as they trust in you, Lord, your word says you'll give them desires of their heart. And I pray them not to become weary in well-doing. For in due season, if they don't quit, they'll have their reward. That's what your word says. Let it be so in Jesus' name. But help us, God, to put you first and our spouse second. And to keep our priorities in line. So that we avoid the thin ice of relationships in Jesus' name. Amen.